it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. I'm a veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, daily YouTube videos, and I'm a longtime podcaster. Also, I have metastatic stage four prostate cancer that came out of remission in January. During the 2020 pandemic, my doctors advised me to stay at home, and the Life of Fitz podcast was born. Four years later, I'm back in my cancer fight and continuing this podcast, calling the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who I have met throughout my 35 years in this industry. And now I'm adding in some new friends to my call list. And of course, I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. Excuse me while I feel a little bit old today, because I met Josh Eiler when he was playing basketball at Kansas State, and I had already started my company, GoPowerCat.com. PowerCat Illustrated was the origin of the website, and I covered him when he played for Jim Wildridge. And, of course, one of the big things to happen to Kansas State Athletics in the early 2000s was the hiring of Bob Huggins. It was a monumental moment. It literally changed the course of K-State basketball from the struggles of the Asbury and Wildridge era into what it is now. Bob Huggins was in Manhattan for one year and laid the foundation for everything that followed for Frank Martin, for the players that got passed on to Bruce Weber and allowed him to build up what he did in 10 years and now Jerome Tang. But when Huggs left after one year, Josh Eilert, who was a graduate assistant coach for Kansas State at the time, went with Huggs. It was a smart move. He was done being a grad assistant at K-State. His time for that had expired, so he hopped in a moving van and moved to Morgantown, West Virginia. Sixteen years later, with the retirement of Bob Huggins and the controversy, Josh Eilert, the kid from Osborne, Kansas, who stayed loyal to Hugs through it all, is the interim head basketball coach at West Virginia. So deserved, and I haven't had an extended conversation with Josh in a very long time, So let's do it. Let's call Josh Eilert in Morgantown, West Virginia. Hello? Is this the head basketball coach at West Virginia University? Uh, it appears to be. <laughs> How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. How are you, Fitz? How weird have the last few weeks been for you? It's it's hard to explain. It really is. It's uh, it's been a roller coaster of emotions. You go from thinking you're you're gonna walk over to the unemployment line to being the head ball coach of a Power Five, top twenty, you know, all time school. So it's been great. It's uh, you know, it's one of those. Uh, times in your life you really sit there and reflect and say just do right by everything you do by people and, and things will work out hey man i mean you you went with hugs 16 years ago you've it's weird you've been there far longer than you know associated with kansas state it's incredible how that works but well, um you, you stayed at his side and i'm glad that the loyalty was paid off and and the fact that you understand the program and the the school and, and and what it's all about down there it's it, i'm really happy for you man yeah thank you it's i remember those days you know 16 years ago when my wife and i jumped in a 29 foot u-haul and 
put the dog, you know, in the passenger seat and he was sitting shotgun and my wife was following in the car and we just, you know, headed, headed across country with the leap of faith that things are going to work out and we're going to go outside of our comfort zone and, and try something new. And it's, it's been amazing for our family. I mean, as soon as we got here, we got pregnant with our first. And I remember looking back at the pictures and we were in the sweet 16 that first year and out in Arizona and my wife was uh, pregnant and had her first uh, child in April of 2008. So now he's a sophomore in high school. So that tells you how, how long we've been here and and how I tell him all the time, you know, you know, how special it is to be in this community and ingrained in the state. And they know nothing more. You know, we obviously have our Kansas roots and both Kansas state graduates, but uh, they know nothing more than West Virginia. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, tell me about the kids since I don't, since you got busy with that after you departed K-State. Yeah, 15, 12, and 5. Uh, I thought we were just going to have two. <laughs> and, you know, happy wife, happy life. You know, you, you go back and forth, and, and eventually you just give in. I think it, it took me too long to give in. But uh, my youngest, uh, my, my late father, Jim Eiler, uh, my youngest was born on the day he passed away. Oh wow! So uh, he had a he had a five week battle with with uh, colon and, and liver cancer that got way too advanced before they ever caught it. But uh, you know, I thought a lot about my dad throughout that whole process. Uh, you know, because the you know, whole roller coaster of emotions that kind of it took me back to that day where I had to figure out. My wife was going to labor, and my dad was on his on his deathbed, and I had to figure out whether I'd jump in a car and try to get back there as fast as possible and, and be with him, or do I, you know, sit here by my wife's side and and deliver our third child? So I made the right decision, tried to get on the phone with my dad and and get in his ear whether he could hear me or not, and, and I stayed by my wife's side. And had I jumped in the car, I came up two hours short, and I'd have missed both. So. Yep, and I, look, I, I never look met your dad, that. but I bet you that he would want you to make the choice you made. Oh, 100% he would, and that's the type of person he was. So he's a big, big, big-time influence on myself and, and the way I treat people and, and, and have the, the integrity that I have and the way I go about my business. And So, you know, going back to the whole the week that we had last week, I, I look back to that day that – I was losing my dad and gaining the son on the same day and how that roller coaster of emotions, it was kind of similar. So mm-hmm. you didn't know which uh, way life was going to take you and, and what was going on. You just kind of had to um, keep a level head and keep things in perspective. You do. I mean, when you have tough times, you learn some perspective that a lot of times you thought were tough or nothing. Um, and when you face them again, they're, they're nothing. And, uh, yeah. It's, but I'm going to say something strange to you. Um, if your dad to have had to have advanced cancer, um, that's a good way to go. I mean, yeah. you find out it's harsh, but um, the emotions of the unknown are are just eat at you. The constant every day um, can chew away at you. And yeah, I mean, that's why I'm trying to encourage men to get in there and get early testing so that they don't even have to mess with it. But boy, it's yeah. It's tough. So, yeah. Well, um, I, I really don't want to talk about hugs so much, too much, but, but boy, I, um, 
I love that man. I, you know, I, I was only around him for a year. I think he is so greatly misunderstood. I knew he was misunderstood. Well, you probably recall when Hugs was hired, everyone was like, Hugs, why are you hiring that guy? He's a bad dude. Then we all met him and like, oh, he's, he's pretty freaking awesome. Um, yeah. A loving, caring yeah. man with obvious flaws, but um, you obviously love him too. You stayed with him um, for 16 years, 17 years if you can't Kansas State. Yeah, he's a he's a loyal, loyal man. As you can see, you look back at our staff, and and I I just got off the radio interview, uh, and I was talking about, you know, my patience in the whole process, and Hugs believed in me a hundred percent and wanted me to advance. But we we had such a, a core group of guys, and our staff was so locked in with each other and so loyal to Hugs that they weren't going anywhere, and so that kind of hindered my uh, development, but. You know, if you're with good people, I embrace it. You know, it's not always greener on the other side. And there probably could have been opportunities I could have jumped on. And, and it, you know, who knows where that would have led. But here I am, a head coach of uh, West Virginia Mountaineers and and have a hell of an opportunity to, to parlay it into something even greater. You know, I'm basically on a one-year contract, but uh, I don't look at it that way. Oh. I'm, here, I'm here to accept the challenge, and, and I have every uh, every bit of confidence in myself and so i got a great staff around me we're going to build a nice roster and we're going to go compete night in night out and he uh, left you a pretty good you know, roster i mean that's yeah he did had some dudes uh, there there was certainly uh, a week to where everybody was you know on on thin ice and then they didn't have much of a solid footing and, and so they got i did my best to keep their head on straight but you know with the uncertainty and young 18 to 21 year or 23 year olds, you know, so they felt uneasy about the situation. So we had some guys hit the portal and, you know, that's this day and age. So a lot of, a lot of coaches reaching out and and kind of poaching our guys before they even, you know, as soon as the incident happened uh, 10 days ago or whatever it may be, um, there was coaches just all over our guys. And it was such a shame to see that. Yeah. Um, none of them even hit the portal at that point. So they were getting courted behind the scenes by each, you know, schools just trying to fill a need. And here I am trying to do everything I can just to keep them together and keep their head on straight. It's turned into the Wild West, hasn't it? And just, Absolutely. I mean, we've gone from the NCAA not enforcing the rules well enough to the NCAA just saying, have at it. We didn't want any of this, so we don't, we don't want to participate in it. And it's just a yeah. shame. It's the world we live in, so you just got to, you know, take it with a grain of salt and, you know, don't always agree with everything they do, but you got to play by the rules and, and, and go about your business. The irony is, of course, as I talk to you, I think there's two dudes here in Manhattan right now. So, um, it's kinda, yeah, kind of weird. Uh, two, two of our dudes. Yep. So yep. That's, uh, yeah, as an alumni, that uh, hurts that, that uh, they're in Manhattan, Kansas, but, um, I guess that's part of the game. Yep. Yep. Well, tell me about, um, you know, you drive out there, you get to Morgantown, um, and there had to be culture shock. I mean, you're from Osborne, Kansas. Um, we think the Flint Hills are, are scenic, and then you're in the, you know, the eastern mountains of the United States. Yeah. In a, in, and literally a different culture. I mean, they're wonderful people. I love going to Morgantown in West Virginia. It's one of my favorite stops, but it is different. It certainly is. Yeah, there was culture shock. I remember like my wife getting lost and, and calling me crying. And, and this is before everybody had GPS really on their phone. Yeah. And you, you asked for directions. And we're everybody that uh, we talked to growing up, like you, 
you know, go two miles east and a mile north. There ain't no such thing as east, west, and uh, north, south around here. They they talk about the landmarks and going around a holler and down by this this you know this monument and that monument and around the river and like does anybody even know where north, south, east, and west is? Because it's just everything's built around the terrain. So that was that was called certainly a culture shock. And then shoot, I've been here 16 years. I'll turn down. Uh, of a turn that I've never been before and discover something I didn't really know existed here. So, yeah, it's beautiful out there. My, my father-in-law is from West Virginia, and he talks about literally growing up, you know, around the holla. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I, you know, it's that. That's uh, that didn't happen in Kansas. We 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 don't have no. those, but. Um, that's no, right. you know, shoot, I grew up in western Kansas. You know, it's so flat you could watch your watch your dog uh, run away for two days. <laughs> That's the truth, man. What was it like growing up in Osborne, Kansas? Small town life. I yep. mean, I tell everybody at that point, I think the closest closest Walmart was sixty miles. You can't hardly, I mean. Anywhere you go anymore, you're you're nine iron away from a Walmart, and that's I mean that's how isolated we were out there. Yep. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot going on, but uh, it was a great life. I didn't know anything better, and you know, small town living um, in an ag- agricultural community, and everybody kind of had some part, form or fashion, or had a, a part in you know either getting a wheat crop in or. Or you know that's where everybody's lifestyle revolved around out out in the you know north central Kansas. So you know you would play Legion baseball, and, and a lot of times during this time of year you couldn't field the team because you know somebody had to help with harvest. Yep. Yeah, it's so true. It is absolutely true. And you had to work to get into trouble. You really had to try because even yeah. if you did get into trouble enough, the town was looking out for you that they'd. They'd uh, probably put you back on the straight and narrow without your parents' participation. Oh yeah, everybody knew everybody's name and everybody knew the channel channels, but you know, take care of one another at the end of the day. So it was a, a nice—I uh, don't say bubble, but it was kind of a bubble to grow up in. You didn't have all the outside influences that you have in some of these bigger communities. Then what led you to Cloud County? Why'd you pick Cloud? I knew, uh, I mean, I was obviously qualified, not obviously, but I was a qualifier coming out. I mean, I had some Division two offers, but um, I always wanted to play Division one basketball. And that was my my, mm-hmm. my goal and, and my vision and, and what I wanted. And so my my thought process was let me let me go junior college. You know, junior college in Kansas, is it's, it's a great uh, league there in Kansas, and it's a very competitive league. And and junior college has kind of, you know, fell off since then. But back then, it was it was competitive. I mean, we had five guys that were starting uh, starting five all went in Division One uh, out of Cloud County, and 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 so we were middle of the pack of the league. So I thought it was an opportunity where I could, you know, showcase myself for two years and then maybe parlay it back into a, a Division One spot. And that's that was my thought process. I didn't necessarily have to go junior college, but I thought it'd be a nice stepping stone. And it was right down the road. And at that point in my life, I was you know, I, I wanted to be close to home. I, don't know, I was sixty right. miles down the road, and you know, you got long, young love going on. So those <laughs> those things those things always uh, are part of, are part of young man's uh, decision making. So I, I decided to do that, and I had a great experience. I mean, Coach Kevin Muff was was my type of guy he was he was a family man he had great values and i gravitated towards him and 
I still think about his influence on me uh, over the, the over my years of, of developing as a coach and a, and a man, and and so it's one of those guys that really helped me through the process. I'm I'm too old to remember, but I moved to Salina, Kansas, at age four, and Kevin Muff might have been the first guy I met like my age because we literally grew up spent every grade together and then of course he went to cloud and ended up at k-state so um we spent a lot of time together and i just saw him as you know i mentioned in my daily delivery video i I just saw him over in salina it was good to see him he's still a massive human being he still looks like he could play i I don't know how i don't doubt it i mean he's in shape and in but he's back in concordia and loving it Probably just has a few more gray hairs like us all. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Then you go to K-State, play for Jim Wildridge, and, and boy, we talk about men that I love. I think the world of Jim. He didn't win enough at K-State, but um, quality, quality guy. Yeah, he's a quality human being and, and a good coach. It's, I think the biggest problem is just trying to get the talent level to compete. And it's, it, it was a hard decade, you know, uh, maybe right. even 10, 12 years there in Manhattan to try to – get the, the talent to compete and things have come a long ways there and it really was neat to be part of uh the transition between Woolridge and, and hugs and see the how quickly it could be revitalized um and no, no discredit to Woolridge and what he did he, he he gave everything he had for that program but um you got the massive personality and hugs come in and and we were immediately uh, recruiting Bill Walker and, and Michael Beasley and Jacob Poland. And, and I remember you look back at as me as a GA, we had such a big recruiting weekend. All the assistants had these high, high profile guys that they're taken care of. And, and I was taking um, my responsibility for that recruiting weekend was to take care of Jerome uh, Poland and Jacob Poland and, and their family. And, they're a big family. I was toting them around. So I'm thinking to myself, I was the GA. I was taking uh, no idea at the time, taking around the all-time leading scorer of K-State history. Crazy. So that's, the, that's how big a recruiting weekend that was and how quickly uh, things can turn in your favor if you just get the right guys. It's, it's uh, Obviously, coaches know it's all about the Jimmies and Joes, not the X's and O's. Yep. What a remarkable staff that was. I mean, you got Frank, of course, and Brad Underwood, who followed a similar course as you guys. He played junior college basketball and then came to K-State, and he's my age. I've known him most of my life. Um, but Another Kansas I, guy. Oh, absolutely. And I, I tell you, that that group of kids, you mentioned the amount of talent at the JUCO level, but that my senior year, I certainly wasn't part of this, but the the group of high school kids coming out all at once. There was James Knight who went to Kansas, and, and you know, the, just a number of guys around the state of Kansas that were Division One level. It was it was a cool time. Um, but wh- I, when you first met Hugs and you first met Frank Martin, what goes through your brain? I remember Hugs walking back. I had the little makeshift office there in the back, and I was back there beside the copy machine and in the storage closet. So I had this little desk back there. And I remember a big, big old burly man, you know, big old. It's, he's very intimidating the first time you see him. Oh, yeah. And he'd shake his hand and big old thick hands. So um, he looked me in the eye and came back. And, and I mean, he was busy the first time I met him, but. When he finally got settled in and he needed some help and I was doing the long hours as a GA, not, not wanting to leave, to figure out how I can help in any way. And shoot, I didn't even know if I was going to have a job. So 
I didn't know if he's bringing his own people, but he came in and he'd been there a couple of days and big old bag of laundry. And, and I joke about it all the time, his dirty underwear and everything else right there in his bag. And he put it right on my desk and he said, he was living at the hotel at the time. He's like, uh, I don't even know what to do this. Do you mind find a way to do my laundry? It's like, absolutely. Whatever you need. So, uh, <laughs> I felt like, I felt like that was my, uh, my first uh, part of the interview, I guess, if I if I was willing to, to wash and dry his dirty underwear, I, I thought <laughs> he said, "Well, you must be worthy of keeping around if he'll, he'll go stoop to that level." So I, I said, "Absolutely, well, I've done a couple hours." So I went downstairs. I knew where everything was and just got it done. He was very grateful, and, and I always laugh. He, he remembers looking. I was just newly married at the time. He looked at looked at a picture of my wife, and it kind of was a conversation piece. And he's like, "What are you doing? How how is that possible? He, that can't be your wife." <laughs> I, I said, "It is my wife." He's like, "How in the hell is that your wife? If if, if you can pull a good looking girl like that, I should put you on the road, road recruiting right now." As you can say, so that, uh, I mean, you can recruit. He, yeah, he loves that story. He, he wore me out on, on that one uh, over the years. So he said that's the only reason he kept me around because I was uh, it's all potential and the fact that I could uh, you know recruit a good-looking girl like that. So <laughs> a product of Riley, Kansas. My uh, my two favorite hug stories from the time he was here was uh, that first summer. Um, he. We all go to Country Stampede. Um, he, I, my wife and I loved it back in the day. We'd get VIP tickets. I think I was there at the same Country Stampede. Yeah. I never had VIP tickets until Hugs got there, and then everybody wanted to give him the VIP tickets, and, and I benefited from it. Yep, and I remember we all ended up afterwards at So Long Saloon, Brad and uh, Hugs and our wives and um, and and by then uh, we had no business probably continuing the festivities, but we did. Um, and at the end of the night, when they finally um, got ready to go home, he gave me this huge hug. I just met the man, <laughs> and I'm a big guy, I think. Um, and he just dwarfed me. You know, we're set at the core of the bar, and he goes, "Good to meet you, Fitz." You know, just the whole thing. <laughs> My other story is uh, when you guys played. Xavier, um, and we're everyone is staying down across the river in Kentucky. We come back from the bars, the, some of the reporters, and we we head back to the hotel, and there's a circle in the middle of the lobby of chairs, and not a small circle, a very large circle, and a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue is being passed about, so we can all try it because that's Hugs's thing. Um, and that was the one and only time I've ever had Johnny Walker Blue. That crap was awful. And I, I'm a bourbon guy. I'm not much of a scotch guy, but that was drinking gasoline. Yeah, I'm more of a collector than a drinker. <laughs> but, uh, there's yeah. a lot of bourbon in this area near the Kentucky, West Virginia area, so it's, it's unique how many different uh, different uh, distilleries there are out here. So I I've got a lot of gifts. I just, I just kind of collect it. Nice. It looks good on the shelf. Yeah, it does. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. What is your favorite thing about West Virginia? I mean, obviously, you, you stayed because of basketball and, and the group of guys you got, but you wouldn't stay if you hated it there. I know that. No, it's, it's the people. I mean, I really compare the people of West Virginia and Kansas. I mean, 
they're different, but they're, they're truly, um, uh, the same in so many ways. They're, they're, they're down home people. Um, they don't have a lot, but you know, they, they, they appreciate what they do have and they are avid, avid Mountaineer fans, uh, all throughout this state you know you you got wichita state you got kansas state you got ku so it's all all over the place in kansas and it's a little divided and you got the chiefs and you got the royals and we got west virginia uh we are uh, we are the pro team here we are we are the big dog we got marshall on, on the south part of the, the state but it's they're they're in a totally different category than us and everybody gravitates towards uh, the flying wv and and they look at you and they put you on a pedestal and they treat you the right way. Um, and they just, they live and die of West Virginia men's basketball, football. And so the support here is, is unrivaled. And, you know, we've had some couple of tough years, uh, the year before last, but they just kept on showing up. They have your back and they continue to just show up and, and support you night in, night out. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I remember when they came into the conference, Big East folks were trying to tell us, oh, they're awful fans. They're mean. They're nasty. They're, it's just a horrible place. And then I go cover a football game, and I'm just walking to the press box through some parking lots, and I'm getting offered moonshine. I'm getting offered, you know, all kinds of food, and people are just so kind and nice, and they're so excited. And, and I thought, well, that was a good experience for me. I wonder what other people are having. And I heard that story over and over, that no matter where they went, they were offered something and welcomed into tailgates. And I'm like, that's K-State. That is exactly like yeah. K-State, minus the moonshine. But, um, yeah, it, it's uh, – yeah, I've enjoyed it every time I've gone. And, granted, now we kind of stay up in Pittsburgh because of hotel space. But uh, it's yeah. uh, it's a beautiful area of the, of the country. And um, I remember one trip my wife went on, and she made a stop and go to some overlook. And I'm like, honey, we're working. We're trying to get to a press box. And, and uh, we stopped at the overlook, and I'm like, okay, this is pretty awesome. This is pretty amazing. Yeah, but, yeah it's a beautiful, beautiful state. Uh, you probably went up to Cooper's Rock, which is yep. probably five minutes outside of town. And it kind of overlooks uh, the Cheat River and Cheat Lake, and it's it's a beautiful area, especially in the fall. It's just it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous here. The leaves start changing colors, and you know the air starts getting a little crisp, and it's a, a great place to be. So, um, you literally paid your dues plus more. I mean, you always wanted a coach, but you go as the video coordinator, which is a common stop um, along the coaching career arc. And then you become the director of basketball ops. And honestly, you kind of got into that role. Um, I assume you were really good at it because he never took you out of it. Um, But even in that role, you had to be learning exponentially about the game of basketball with that coaching staff and that head coach. Yeah, I didn't stop every, every, uh, position i had i took full um you know to my benefit i I took full benefit of every single stop and tried to learn and and grow as a a human and as a coach and even on the administrative side so whether it be scheduling or or communication and uh, whatever it may be and running camps i mean I, i just embraced whatever job i had at the given time and gave everything i had uh to any given job I was given. And I knew if I had patience, things would work out. I'm, I you know, have the faith in that regard. So I, I took every opportunity and ran with it. And I think the, the biggest year that really kind of turned me was 
uh, Coach Everhart in 2017, early in that season, the 16-17 year, he he needed to have back surgery, and he was really struggling on his back. And and we then Coach Huggins took him off the road so he could get that all worked out and have surgery. And, and that entire year, I was on the road recruiting and on the floor scouting and coaching, and, and they just threw me in the mix. You know, you, you think you're prepared, you just you know, go after it. And so I was immediately on the road and I was following Oscar Sheboy, you know, everywhere he went, <laughs> made, making sure we, you know, we were in on, on Oscar and then ended up working out and we got him. But um, that was fun and, and a new experience and got to be on the, on the floor and coaching, coaching my butt off and, and, you know, doing the scouting thing. And so I got a real taste of it that year. And then, you know, we went to the sweet 16 and, had a great, you know, it was the Press Virginia, Press Virginia days. So we made Adrian and Javon Carter and Dexter Miles and Cruz. So it was a fun year. And then I kind of had to step back out of it once, you know, he got healthy. And, and, but it was, a, it was a great year of experience. And then uh, I got my first taste and I knew it was like, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready for this full-time gig. Now it took a couple more years to get there and end up back into an assistant AD for basketball operations. And then it happened uh, a year ago in, in July. Now, Coach Eric Martin took the South Carolina job at, you know, at the end of July, and, and Hugs always said, you know, you're poised to take this move, make this move. I just need somebody to take another job or move on, and, and it happened. And one year as a full-time assistant, and here I am, interim head coach for the Mountaineers. Yeah, it's amazing. What I got to ask is, what what did you think the first time you saw a sheet boy? <laughs> I was, well, first thing I thought was like, it, there's no way he's the age. There's, I mean, he yeah. looked like a grown man among little kids. I mean, he was just jumping over people, and, and his body was so developed at that that stage of the game. And, and honestly, the way he looks now is not much different than the way he looked in high school. Um, I mean, it was just in a different category. And when you see these guys, that that you know, you just know immediately. Um, they've got the it factor they're different than, than everybody out there. And you know that they're going to be special. He was, he is. It's, it's I, I love watching him play, but uh, press Virginia, that, that was an interesting era. How did that evolve into that? And now of course, you know, in the last few years, it hasn't really been that style of basketball, but take me through that. Uh, you know, coach Huggins, I, I don't know if he take credit for it. I mean, he, well, he will, but uh, his players, he, he, he's very good at just finding guys that just compete, compete at a different level. And when, when he recruits him, he's like, what can I do with him? And he pressed at Cincinnati. We, up to that point, we never pressed here. And so but the guys that he had, just uh, Tariq Phillip and, and, and Javon Carter, he saw something different. And then uh, you get active guys like Nate Adrian who really move their feet and, and just go and have high motors. And if you got that type of personnel, personnel from top to bottom, it just makes so much sense. And shoot, we did it for three, four years, and then we recruited kind of the best we could get. But they they didn't have the foot speed that some of these guys had, and they didn't have the motor that some of these guys had. And we didn't have a guy that uh, you know was behind in behind at all, you know, guarding the rim and, and protecting the rim like Sagaball Canate was. So there's a lot of pieces that, that go into it, not just the 
the guys in the in the front court or the back court, you know, wreaking havoc. You got to have somebody back there protecting the rim. So, you know, you, you get too far off on your roster, then you just got to make adjustments. And, and we just didn't find, you know, for it was very successful for several years. But on the recruiting trail, we weren't finding the type of guys to continue it. And so it just kind of slowly evolved away from it. That's what I love about Hugs. He's going to do what he needs to do. And, you know, it, it's it's not my way or the highway. It's like, let's see what we can do with this. And and he, he did a great job in his one year at K-State, turning the, the ship in the right direction. Should have been in the NCAA tournament um, and, and didn't get in the field. But um, Yeah, was... West Virginia and K-State, they were, but we were both in the, the last four out uh, that year uh, when we didn't make it at Kansas State. Um, West Virginia was in the same boat. They just barely missed out on the tournament, but they ended up going to the NIT and winning the NIT championship that year. Yep, yep. That was uh, that was so disappointing. I mean, K State was a four seed in the Big Twelve tournament and beat Tech, and then Tech gets in. So yeah, we beat them, beat them bad too. Yep. And, and um, we, you know, I think it, it came down to the, the North just wasn't nearly as strong as the South in terms of uh, the schedule and the way it was broke down then and. And you had to, you played all those North teams twice, and we had Nebraska twice, and Colorado twice, and Missouri twice. And so, I mean, the South just had a better strength of schedule, so they got more respect that, that year. So, it is what it is. Tech got in, we didn't. It's, uh, it's, it's history now. It's all a conspiracy, Josh. It was all a anti-K State conspiracy. I'm sticking with it. That could have been. That very well could have been. <laughs> uh, so, what's on your? What's next on your plate? Your to-do list. Um, you probably got. I'm. First of all, I didn't should have said this up front. Thank you for taking the time to do this because I know you were very busy. But what is up for you next? Well, waiting for my guys to get back from Manhattan, Kansas. <laughs> you know what's uh, funny about this? With this actually waiting. releases, everyone will know. I mean, where this yeah. is coming out July fifth, so everyone will know. So this is kind of a yeah. So hopefully, hopefully uh, they got worn out on their visits and they want to come back and, and be a part of what we got going on. But we're, we're also looking at other options to figure out if, if that doesn't happen, you know, can we sure. get somebody else on campus quickly? And so we get to have contingency plans too. So we're just scouring uh, what's available, which is, which is hard this time of year. But, right. uh, and then, you know, it's also going to be come with a recruiting challenge. It's like, you know, we're basically on a one year contract. So it's hard to get anybody with the multiple years left uh, to buy in at this point. And, but that's going to be a challenge we're going to have to deal with. And, but we'll get there. Uh, we'll get there. And, uh, we're just going to keep grinding it out every, every day to, until we can get the roster complete. And then, you know, we're headed to Italy, you know, the first 10 days of August. So uh, we got some extra practices this summer, and that's going to be a great uh, test for us to kind of have some dry runs to, to get things in order and figure out, the, you know, the, the – with the new staff and my leadership, how, how it's all going to work. And before we have to get into the games that, you know, count in, in November. The transfer portal is such an interesting thing. Cause I, I think players should have the ability to leave, particularly when a coach leaves, but um, also it, it puts staffs like you in such an unfair situation where, um, you might lose everyone. You're not going to. You saved most of them, but it's just such a perilous thing. And um, you know, it's it's good for the kids, but it's just the overall ramifications of how it works out just make me uneasy. I'm just not yeah. comfortable with that and the NIL. 
Yeah, for for a coach with one year and trying to prove himself and having it, have them all have a free free thirty days to, to explore options. That's that's not very conducive to what I'm trying to do. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it's all leverage play in so many uh, so many situations. You know, there's NIL piece, so they're gonna go see what their value is with everybody else. And, but they also got to determine if they're a fit, whether, you know, another coach is telling them complete truth and whether they're a legit piece to the roster or they a backup. In a lot of cases, most of these rosters are pretty much solidified and they're just looking for maybe one at most two pieces. And so uh, here, here there's certainly a priority because we're down to, you know, nine guys, eight, nine guys. And we're looking to, to fill those, those positions. So, Wow. Well, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to practice. It's, it's something, something we're trying to navigate. Uh, there's no playbook for this. And there's not a lot of case studies for this situation. And and so I'm the man tab with uh, trying to get the ship to calmer waters. And that's what I'm going to try to do. Were you, uh, I know you were involved for the job from the very start, but were you a little surprised that they kind of, came to the quick conclusion that you were the guy and trying to hire right now wasn't the right thing. Let's just stay the course. Um, well, you say quick, but it felt long, like it forever. Long seven days. Um, it was a long seven days for everybody on our staff. Nobody had contracts in place. Mm. You know, everybody had eight days left on their contract. Every, every player was being courted by everybody else, you know, in the, in the country. And so it was, a, it was a long seven days that, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, national searches usually take on average three weeks and, right. and Ren got it done in seven days. And he was so great through the process. He brought me in right away on Saturday afternoon. I immediately came off the road recruiting. I was in Louisville, Kentucky, and, and I had, had made the four and a half hour, five hour drive back as soon as it happened on, on Saturday or Sunday, Saturday morning. Um, and you know, we met with the team, tried to calm them, met with the staff, and then he immediately I, I just got home, just trying to unpack my bags, still head still spinning. I get a call from him to come in and see him. So um, he was very, very good through this process. He, he said, you're going to have every chance at this job, but I have to do a national search. So we're going to find out if, if, if you're the man uh, through the whole process. So he had uh, – multiple multiple meetings and they put me through the ringer in terms of the the, the interview process and the formal you know interviews and, and one of the interviews was you know nearly three hours long mm. and you know four guys grilling me about this situation and that situation and how i'd handle them so um at the end of the day he felt like i was the right man for the job and and i i can't thank him enough and i know he's got my my back and, and, he, and wants to see this through and give me every bit of support i can i can i need to, to get the job done that's awesome i mean if, you, if you've got a good boss um then the comfort level goes through the roof i mean you just Absolutely. gotta you gotta know that someone's got your back and that that's an amazing process but yeah. honestly buddy i i i think you earned the job you weren't yeah thank you you weren't a fallback uh you know you got the interim in there but I think they realized yeah. this is the solution right here after talking to some other people. Yep. I, I'm, you know, I'm going to pour my heart into it. I'm going to give everything I got. I'll put together a young, vibrant staff to get after it every day. And, 
and we're just going to go to work every day and, and get better and take it one day at a time. You know, like like uh, climate says, just you win the day, right? Yeah, exactly. You just got to go one day at a time. I see you stay uh, in touch with K State athletics a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, all my family's back there. You know, it's uh, I see it in my timelines and social media all the time. I follow all the K Staters. I mean, K State's always going to uh, be a part of me. It's part of my wife and my family. So it's uh, you know, it's a second home that I wish I'd get back to more often, other than just business trips. It's just a short drive down I seventy. It's not, yeah, it's not that I, I far. Get it's the, not that I can far. Get to I can get to Osborne, Kansas, in uh, 18 hours. Oh, God. I, and first time K-State played at West Virginia football, that drove out there. And they go, how do you get there? And I go, you go down I-70. <laughs> about when you're out of uh, America, you turn right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's pretty much what you do. It's it's not that complicated. And you get out of Ohio, then uh, you're in West Virginia for 10 minutes, and you're back in uh, Pennsylvania, and then you go back into West Virginia, and you're like, what, what is going on here? I had no I idea that Morgantown <laughs> was just like a it, – it's around the holla from Pennsylvania. That's what it is. It's yeah. just down We're the six road. miles from the Pennsylvania border. Yeah. I had no idea. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um but I take it Brandy likes it there. Yeah, we at first, like like you said earlier, we had culture shock and you know, I immediately went to work and you know, I was, you know, locked in from day one. But <laughs> excuse me, she uh, she found it a little harder because she was kind of, you know, lonely and isolated. She didn't have anybody out here. I immediately had this new network of people that I was working with, you know immediately from day one so i'm working with 20 different people and getting to know people and, and she was just kind of at home trying to figure out you know where we go from here and so it was culture shock for her for a couple of weeks but she settled in and she kind of found her groove and you know we started a family and, and it's been it's been a beautiful thing here for our family indeed um do the activities for children vary we you know we growing up in kansas you played sports. You didn't play football. Yeah. You didn't play basketball. You played sports. I mean, you mentioned yeah. Legion baseball. Is it like that in West Virginia, or what? What kind of opportunities do your kids have? No, the same opportunities that we had growing up. I mean, probably more in that regard. There's a lot, a lot going on out here. We're close to a lot of you know metro uh, communities. Right. So, uh, but they're tied in. It's a very tight knit community. It's it's all based around the university and similar to. to Manhattan in a lot of ways. So uh, there's there's opportunity after opportunity. I mean, if, if they want to get into something, they're going to get into something. So uh, no 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 complaints in that regard. I I need to ask this: your your children aren't Steelers fans, are they? No, I just actually to, to be honest with you, I just. Uh, I uh, told my son if the Chiefs won, I'd get him a Mahomes jersey and, and got him the Mahomes jersey. And, and when I was out at the Big 12, I, I met Rick Burkholder. He's the athletic trainer at the Kansas City Chiefs. And we got to know each other real well there at the, in Kansas City. And he has connections to West Virginia. And I told him, I was like, this jersey is going to come in in May. And, and I'm going to, you know, surprise him with it. And, and he said, well, send that thing to me. I'll get Mahomes to sign it. Oh, and, and he did. And I got it, got it signed and framed and, and just gave it to him. Now he's, he's, we are hardcore Kansas City Chiefs fans. And, 
And you even go back even further when when the Royals were in New York, we got a chance to you know go see the Royals clinch Game Six uh, or the Game Five or Game Six of the World Series back in New York. But regardless, uh, we were there to see him clinch uh, mm. in 2015. So you know we also got to see the ALCS in Baltimore that year. So. We got some good connections out here, and, and they hooked us up with tickets. And so we, we're locked in with the Royals and Chiefs. Obviously, the Chiefs are the hot topic now. And now uh, that's still ingrained in us. I mean, everybody down the hallway has got a different NFL team. It's not all the Steelers, but, uh, but the locals are, are – they are hardcore Steelers fans. You could probably have the Royals if you want them. I mean, <laughs> if you, I I don't think uh, they're going to build them a stadium in downtown Kansas City, so they might end up in Nashville, so they'll be closer. All right. So, well, Josh, it's been great to talk to you. I know you got a lot on your plate. I told you I wouldn't take, keep you long. So, uh, brother, man, this is awesome. It's it, you know, I've been doing this so long. I've covered guys now that are head coaches, and it trips me out. You know, it just, it's amazing to think about the progression of the young people. I started off covering when I was doing PowerCat Illustrated and just starting GoPowerCat.com to, to now you have, your, your career has literally spanned my career of this business. And to see this is, I'm just so happy, man. Yeah. Thank you, Fitz. And, and uh, I like to tell people and the only way I can explain it is, is life comes at you fast when you're prepared for the opportunity. Right. I keep on coming back to that uh, that phrase that I heard, and that's very much the case in, in, in my situation. Not exactly the way in which I thought I'd become a head coach. There's no sunshine and rainbows around it, but well, I got him the head coach, and I'm going to take full advantage of it. And, and if I know Bob Huggins, he's damn happy for you. <laughs> he is, and he's at peace. He's, he's glad that, you know, based on his decisions and very remorseful, but he is at peace. Last time I talked to him, I think he's doing a lot of fishing and enjoying himself. So the fact that all of his staff and players are, you know, in a good place and, and have some stability and, and I'm going to be able to carry that torch, I think that gives them some peace. Yeah, he's he's owned this. I mean, you know, he that's what a man does. He, he owns yeah. his mistakes, and, and uh, you see him, tell him I say hello. But appreciate it, brother. I appreciate it so much. Best of luck um, this season. Thank you And uh, I'll make sure I come talk to you when you're in Manhattan. Sure, absolutely. Look forward to it. Hey, Josh, good to talk to you. All right, take care. First of all, this was a short edition of The Life of Fitz, and I knew it would be because I was amazed that Josh would make time right now for anything else other than what he's trying to accomplish. And he's got a lot on his plate. I mean, he's trying to build a roster and then get that roster ready to go on tour for Italy and then come back and start school and get ready for a Big 12 season. It's just daunting. But I believe West Virginia did the exact thing it needed to do. When Hugs left Manhattan, Kansas, there was a lot of talk about who will K-State hire. They hired the guy that had been at his side for the longest, and that was Frank Martin. And it kept K-State basketball going. And I think the same will be true for West Virginia basketball under him now that Hugs is retired. I'm proud of what he's done, his patience, his diligence, and now he's a head coach in the Big 12. Guys, remember, don't get caught off guard by cancer when all you have to do is go see your doctor. Oh, And happy 4th of July, everyone.
I'll talk to you real soon.